I'd like y'all to help me out here. Um, why don't everybody stand and uh, let's read the passage together uh, this morning. This is John 1, 1 through 5, and then we'll jump down to verse 14. Very familiar passage in Scripture. Uh, let's go ahead. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. You may be seated. Father God, we come in Jesus' name, Lord God, as we uh, enter into this part of our worship, which is a time of sharing in your word, dear God. We just pray, Lord, that uh, uh, first of all, that you would be with me, Father, that, uh, that you would um, just guide my tongue and my thoughts, dear Lord. We pray that the things that are said would be the things that you want said, Father, and so we just pray, dear God, for your guidance, dear Lord. Uh, be with the uh, listening audience, Father. We just pray, God, that uh, some might be encouraged, some might be uh, built up through your word, Father, today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just want to share a little bit of uh, uh, my background. Um, not that that's anything uh, critical or anything like that, but I was baptized into Jesus Christ uh, oh, in the spring of 1986. And uh, after I was baptized, I was pretty immediately presented with the narrative that the uh, churches of Christ were the church of the Bible. And, uh, of course, some of you may be familiar with that narrative as well, uh, that uh, we alone, uh, as the churches of Christ, uh, we had the proper interpretation of Scripture, and all other denominations were deceived. And so with that narrative before me, uh, I studied the Bible diligently. And I did that believing that it was my duty to rescue uh, my family, which was largely uh, missionary Baptist. And so after studying for just a few brief months, uh, I felt like I was ready. Uh, I remember that it was on a Sunday afternoon that I uh, gathered my Bible and all of my study notes and materials, and I went to my uncle's house. He was a prominent uh, missionary Baptist preacher in Kansas City. And uh, I went there to engage him in a Bible study, or probably more accurately, a debate uh, on uh, baptism and some other things. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, going into a situation like that, uh, where I was and with my frame of mind, uh, of course, I was uh, unsuccessful. Uh, he was a uh, Baptist when I got there, and he was a uh, Baptist when I left. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I really, really appreciated him uh, because, uh, you know, uh, he took it very well. And uh, matter of fact, he was uh, just a, a great source of uh, encouragement to me uh, in uh, the years that uh, came after that uh, as I began to uh, preach and lead a church family and things of that nature. He was just uh, very supportive and a great uh, encouragement to me. 
but the lesson uh, behind that little story is that, you know, people can read and study the Bible for really just a, a number of different reasons. You know, sometimes the reasoning is, you know, you have to read the Bible in order to learn about God uh, so that you can become good and so uh, eventually I can get to heaven. And so with that idea in mind, sometimes we read the Bible kind of like a, a chore or an obligation. And so, you know, just like it is with most chores, um, we really just want to hurry up and get it over with uh, so we can get on to something we like or something that we enjoy a little bit more. Uh, of course, and then there are some who really view the Bible, view the scriptures as the good book. And so kind of like they would in a, a, a department store, uh, they walk through the Bible, uh, picking out uh, what they like and kind of setting aside what they don't like. And then they'll build their theology and build their doctrine and their religion around the parts that they've chosen. And then there may be others who read the Bible for really no other reason than uh, to refute it, than to find fault with the very existence of God and the truth of Scripture. And so they rebel against the Lordship of Jesus Christ because they feel like, you know, what they've read very simply isn't the truth. There are probably uh, several other reasons why people read and study the Bible that I haven't mentioned this morning. But I want to propose today that we here at the Irving Church are striving for true discipleship. We want to be genuine Christ followers. That's our hope. That's our vision for each and every member of our church family. And thus we ought to believe, as John says, that the Bible, which is the Word of God, is actually come to life in the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, John said that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so therefore, when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, when we meditate upon it, when we preach it, we are actually inviting Jesus Christ into our church and into our individual lives. The Word of God is God's gift to us. It is a display of His grace to mankind, and therefore, we ought to take it very seriously. You know, much can be said about the Bible and its necessity as a part of our spiritual journey. But for a few minutes, I just want to share with you a few reasons why we here desire to be a church with a very high view of Scripture and why we should make it a part of who we are as a church family. First of all, in the Scriptures, in the Word of God, we learn of God's salvation. We learn of God's salvation in and through the Scriptures. Um, that's not right. Go back one. There we are. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul said to Timothy, he said, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from a childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul told Timothy, that, you know, from your very childhood, you have been studying the sacred writings, that is, the scriptures. Of course, uh, Timothy would have had the Old Testament, as we know it, the Old Testament scriptures. But he said, you've been studying those from childhood. And he says that those scriptures are able to make you wise 
for salvation. In other words, from there, you can glean the information, glean the knowledge you'll need to be saved. In the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, we find the narrative of God's redemption unfolding. It is the story of how God rescues his creation from sin and ultimately restores this fallen world through his son, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 5, 39 and 40, John, uh, Jesus says there, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. He says, yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. Jesus, in talking to the religious leaders, he said that, you know, you are diligent in your study of scripture. You're diligent in your study of the law and the prophets, believing that in them you'll find the answer to eternal life. Well, Jesus says that those very scriptures that you study, he says, they testify about me. They testified about Jesus, the one who was the answer to eternal life, the one who brought eternal life, the one who brought salvation. Yet, he says, those religious leaders failed to recognize him. In other words, salvation and eternal life, there were scriptures that testified about Jesus Christ, but they failed to see it. While we can see God in nature and in all that he has created, it is only in Scripture that we can learn of God's plan to save mankind. Notice John said in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, he says, which are not written in this book. He says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Notice that it is in the written word, in the scriptures, that we learn about Jesus, and that in learning about Jesus, we can come to a saving faith in him, and it's then eternal life becomes a reality through the reading and study of the scriptures. Beloved, when we read and study the word of God, we are looking at words of eternity, words of salvation, words of redemption. From beginning to end, it is a narrative of how God sent his son to save and redeem this fallen race. And beloved, I think that uh, that in itself is a critical word for us. James said in James 1 and 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness he said, and receive with meekness the implanted word, he said, which is able to save your souls. One of the things I thought about in that passage was James said that we ought to receive the word with meekness. In other words, a sense of our own uh, insufficiency and inability to save ourselves. And he says that implanted word, when we study it and read it, meditate upon it with the right frame of mind and with the right attitude, then he says that implanted word is able to save our souls. Well, secondly, this morning, uh, we are fed, fed by the Word of God. You know, uh, just as we feed our physical bodies with natural food, uh, our souls are fed and nourished by the Word of God as found in Scripture. You remember Jesus as he was tempted uh, in the wilderness by Satan? Remember, he answered Satan saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, we understand that without food, without proper nourishment, 
our physical bodies will eventually become weak and sickly, and then ultimately they're going to die. And in the same way, our, our souls, our spirits equally must feed upon the Word of God, lest we become spiritually weak and ineffective. Yes, the Scriptures, the Bible, is our spiritual food, our spiritual nourishment. Jesus said in six, John chapter 6 and verse 63, he said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. He said, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. In other words, Jesus was telling them that, you know what, uh, you know, when he said the flesh uh, has, is no help at all, well, he was very simply saying that, you know, our physical bodies really don't matter that much as far as redemption is concerned. In other words, an individual who is paraplegic or can't move, can't use their limbs at all, who can't see at all or whatever, that individual can still have their souls and their spirits nourished by the Word of God because he said it's the Spirit that gives life. But then he went on to say, he says, the words that I have spoken to you, he says, those words, he says, they are spirit and they are life-giving. Life-giving words we find in the Word of God. In uh, Job chapter 23 and verse 12, Job said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Our spiritual growth and vitality is dependent upon the Word of God as a part of our diet, a part of our journey uh, in life. You know, I mentioned earlier that sometimes reading the Bible might seem like an obligation or a chore, but you know, we rarely think of having dinner as burdensome or a chore. It's something that we look forward to and we look to it as an essential part of our lives. Well, God blesses us in the same way when we view his word as essential, life-giving nourishment to our spirits and to our souls this morning. Thirdly, this morning, the word of God enlightens our path. The word of God, it enlightens our path. I'm going to quote several passages from Psalms 119 this morning, and um, one of the things that I did in preparation for this lesson starting back several weeks ago was I went through and read Psalms 119 through several times because uh, it's in that, uh, that rather lengthy chapter of Psalms where the psalmist just extols the virtues of the Word of God, and he uh, tells us so many blessings and benefits from the Word of God. And so uh, that was really just a great help to me while I was just really thinking about and gathering my thoughts for the lesson this morning. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 104, 105, he said, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalms 119, 130, he said, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Beloved, as we go through life, there are several ways that we're going to learn life's lessons, the things that we need to know to get us through life. We learn from experience, of course. Uh, we learn from other people who tell us certain things about life. Uh, we learn from our mistakes. But you know, when we think about that today, we really just don't want to go through life making mistakes and learn to learn life's lessons. And sometimes, oftentimes, 
our experiences simply are not sufficient to teach us everything that we know to get us through life. And then depending on who our circles of friends or acquaintances is, we might not have the right people in our life to tell us what we need to know to get us through life. But beloved, the Word of God is always available with a wealth of wisdom and knowledge to, give us, to get us and guide us through life. The Scriptures contain answers to how to handle so many things in life, how to handle our finances, how to handle our relationships, how to deal with people, conflict resolution, how to deal with marriage and how to raise our children. So many things that we need to know in life we can glean from the Scriptures. The Scriptures answer life's difficult questions like, where did we come from and where are we going? How was our world created and what is its ultimate destiny? Beloved, the Word of God gives us the information, the knowledge that we need to guide us through life. The, the psalmist said that the Word of God imparts understanding to the simple, that the testimonies of the Scriptures are our counselors. It tells us that the Word is a lamp to our feet and it is a light to our path. In other words, it enlightens the way as we go through life on a day-to-day -day basis. The Word of God enlightens us as we go through life. Fourthly, this morning, the Scriptures shapes our character and our conduct. Shapes our character and our conduct. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, Paul told Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete and equipped for every good work. Paul wanted Timothy, his young protege, to understand that the scriptures would be his textbook for training in right living, his guide to spiritual maturity. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 9, he asked the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? He says, by guarding it according to your word. Once again, the Word of God is the answer. It is our textbook, our training for righteousness and holy living before the Lord. The psalmist said in verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. By once again reading and studying upon the Word of God, feasting upon it, the psalmist said, I stir up your word in my heart and I will not sin against the Lord. The Bible guides and instructs us in godly conduct. As we read about Jesus and how he lived and how he loved, when we read about the things that he prioritized and the things that he rebuked, it shapes our lives and enriches our discipleship. Beloved, the Word of God is our textbook for training in righteousness and holy living. Finally this morning, the Word of God gives us hope and comfort. Beloved, this morning, you don't need me to tell you that uh, these are difficult times that we are living in. We are daily flooded with bad news. News about pandemics, hurricanes, and fire in various parts of our nation, various parts of our world. We read about it. We see all around us how that we are a nation divided. 
hostility in all corners and on and on and on. Beloved, we need some good news, something that brings us comfort. We need a word that brings us hope, a word that says there is a just and righteous ruler who is working to make all things new and fresh and good. The word of God gives that good news. The word of God gives us words of comfort, words of hope. Paul said in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, he said we might have hope. The psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 50, this is my comfort and my affliction that your promises give me life. You are my hiding place and my shield. The psalmist said I hope. And your word. And finally, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. Beloved, we find comfort, we find hope in the word of God. And so, the word of God reveals for us God's plan of salvation. We are fed and nourished by the word of God. The Word of God teaches life's lessons and guides us through life. It shapes our character and our conduct, and it provides comfort and hope. But in addition to all of these, we find in Scripture where it talks about the Word as the seed of the kingdom. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the mirror of the soul. The Word of God is a discerner of of thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is like a fire and like a hammer that breaks in pieces. For all of these reasons and more, we want to be a church that honors the word of God and makes it a part of our DNA. We want the word of God to be present in our worship. We want it to be present in our prayer life. We want the word of God to be present in our singing, in our preaching, and most of all, we want it to be present in our individual lives on our journey through life. Because through the scriptures, God speaks to us. And as he speaks, we invite him to be present with us through his word. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, we thank you for your word, Father, the Holy Scriptures, Father, which means so much to us, Lord. We pray, God, that as a church and individually, that we'll make your word a part of our life. Dear God, as we feast upon it, we pray, dear God, that you'll come closer and more fully into our presence, dear Lord. May it shape us, may it guide us, and may it make us the people you would have us to be. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, you can come on up. I thank you all this morning. Appreciate you guys so much.